All right, we're doing episode three of the J Situation podcast. Uh, I'm here with Mr. Tom Bowers from Bowers Group. I think that's the name of your company now, right? Bowers, Bowers Group? Group LLC, yes. Awesome. Um, I was telling Tom before this when I met him, it was an honor to meet him. Uh, I, I guess for those of you who don't know about Bowers Group, I wanted you, know, you kind of give the audience a quick history maybe or a little background. <laughs> Uh, we've been doing this for uh, weeks now. Um, I think it's about 21 years. I'd have to do the math, but it's what it comes out to in my head. Um, kind of accidentally started doing it. I wanted to make actual... Uh, suppressors are considered firearms through a legal fiction of the NFA so that they can regulate them. Yeah. They're not a firearm under, like, the Gun Control Act because they don't use the gas from a cartridge to propel a bullet. They're just a freaking muffler, okay. Um, I wanted to make real firearms that go bang and had approximately half the machinery that I needed to do that. And in the meantime, I had a bunch of cash outlay and I was like, well, uh, I could make cans with mm. the lathe, so let's do that. Yeah. And so that was our, our first hard-inch turning center. And, yeah, it's about 21 years ago. And we're still making cans all this time later. Because it's just grew into something that I really grew to love and said, this is really neat. This is the coolest job in the world. That's cool. I, I'm not a I'm not averse, and I still plan on making actual firearms at some point. It's just that once you get this deep into something like this, it's difficult to allocate resources and machine time and all that to entirely different projects and then of course like for instance the particular rifle that I want to do first I've been wanting to do for years um, it needs a stock so that's sure. like I've messed with gun stocks before um, so I'm not going to do the injection molded plastic kind of thing. I, probably what it'll end up, what I'll end up doing is approaching Boyd's and having them make them. Okay. Uh, because it's certainly not something I'm interested at all in doing in-house. And they've made some really nice stuff for us in the past for different company. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point. You know, you, you say you know it's a little bit difficult to diversify not only because you know you're moving away from kind of a bread and butter product line like silencers but also logistically <laughs> you mm. mentioned another you know another source for for parts um, you know outsourcing outsourcing manufacturing of something that you you've designed you know you got to trust the the vendor you got to trust their quality the, their delivery times and managing that logistical chain when you're used to doing everything yourself yeah you know, that's it, a little bit of a hurdle i suppose it's yeah. horrific is what it is yeah. yeah um we we make most of our own stuff in house as it sits right now um 
we do use vendors for some processes and have used them and still do for the occasional odd bit of manufacturing that we just don't have the capacity for. Mm. Um, however, it's universally been problematic. Every time you do that, it, it, basically what it comes down to is it doesn't matter who you're using, they don't care about your parts as much as you do. Yeah, I guess there's that pride. I that's funny. I when I you know, you I guess and sometimes there's that internal identity of products like you you know you have a pride in that, and then you worry about or you may think about your external customer perception and like what you're known for, and you don't want that to change, and that you have a, they have a certain quality expectation of you and things. When I think I'm about, I'm not really worried about that at all because I can. Basically, it's one of those things where if I if if I'm making something, even if I was outsourcing all the parts to some rifle, yeah, um, it just comes down to I would not accept them. I would not True. sell if even if I was stuck with them because I didn't check them in time and I found out none of them would go bang or whatever. It's I wouldn't sell crap out in the in Yeah, I guess you'd catch it in your, in your quality control anyway, so. Yeah, typically. Uh, one of the issues that we ran into before uh, was, you're familiar with the insert system that we developed years ago. Uh, the Versadapt? Yeah, the, the Versadapt system, the ATAS system before that. Yeah. Um, it's one that many of our competitors flatter us by copying um, because it's a really great idea. Sure. Um, and it adds versatility into any product line that's using it because you can unscrew this hex-headed adapter insert and swap in another one that has a different thread pitch. Mm -hmm. It seemed pretty obvious to me. So. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's critical that your inserts are concentric. Right. And one of the things that you do to maintain con concentricity um, is at the second operation where you're now grabbing onto the threads and poking the hole and threading the internal hole, the, the one that's going to go on the muzzle itself. Right, right. You blow out the collet with compressed air. You insert the insert into the collet and you push it to the stop and you turn it slightly and that will allow you to feel if there's any chips in there sure that didn't blow out because things can happen right if there's a little metal chip from the previous operation that's in there best case scenario you just end up with a dent in the threads where the collet crushes the Oh, excuse me, crushes his chip into the threads. Mm -hmm. Worst case scenario is you didn't follow that process. Now it's sitting a little bit crooked because you have a chip in there or you just didn't seat it squarely because you didn't follow that simple process that mm -hmm. takes all of two seconds for every part and does slow you down a little bit. The way we found out about it, of course, was when we had clients that would call us back and go, hey, um, 
I'm having an issue with my can. It doesn't seem to be grouping, or they might be getting a baffle strike or a front cap strike. And hmm. basically, yeah, you track it down to the insert, and you're going, oh. Wasn't quite concentric as we I thought didn't, it was. I didn't make that insert. I jobbed oh. it out. And when you're talking about, you know, like this little batch of, say, five or 600 parts, it's up to them to make it right. There isn't really a methodology that you can use to readily check concentricity on that thread. Right. You'd have to use, like, check the run out. You'd have to spin it and... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You'd have to, like chuck it up and like yeah indicate on a center mm -hmm. and do both ends and see if the numbers and yeah and look at something. the micrometer or the runout gauge or whatever you call that thingy and then Indicator. compare the numbers yeah yeah and you can't, it's it's just it's not practical no the practical thing is to run the part correctly in the first damn place yeah okay and so when we make these parts in house that don't we don't have that problem right okay and then, of course, if it's a defect like that, like if, if you waste your can, you go and you do something silly and you waste your can, you ship it to us on your dime, and we want 20 bucks from you to cover our return shipping and insurance back to you. Parts and labor are free. Okay? Cool. Now, if it's something like this, and we've identified, we think this is our problem, our fault then of course we're gonna pay for your shipping to us. Sure. And our shipping back to you and replace that part. And then of course the resources to pull another insert, stick it in there, put it on a spud in the little manual lathe, mm -hmm. indicate on the bore, spin it up, <laughs> make sure everything's good before it leaves because oh my God, you do not want that to happen twice. For real. Cause yeah. That's just, you have these things that happen once in a while. They're just professionally embarrassing. and Sure. You, you feel shame if you're a human being. Just go, oh, that should never have happened. Okay? Yeah. So it comes down to, like, how are you going to fix that? How are you going to make that right to somebody? Um, and it's an inconvenience, and it reflects poorly upon you as a company if things like this happen. Now, most people are really cool about it, but that doesn't mean that you want your incidences of things right. like that to be zero. Yeah, you and you, you mentioned So the, we've just pulled more and more stuff back in-house because yeah, of I mean, quality control. Quality control. I mean, there's, there's only, I mean, putting eyes on it yourself and not only on the product, but the methodology, you know, you're using to make it. Sounds seems smart. Yeah, you you mentioned the Verse Adapt and then it's, you know the predecessor inserts you made. You know when I think of Bowers, for some reason I don't know why I always think of Max subguns. Like, because that's what we first did. I mean, what was your first? Um, remember the old Psionics can for the Mac 10? Was it Mac 10? Right? Yeah, it's for the 45 caliber Mac 10. Psionics mm -hmm. did that. Is did you do something around that time, or was that kind of basically? Most of that stuff, uh, they 
stop making those can there's a prefix on them it'll be like eight six is typical dash whatever the, on the max or, yeah. that's on the, that's on the max themselves um yeah. i'm sorry so i was just absolutely going sideways i'm going to say wrong things never mind disregard <laughs> all that part um, i'm glad you said something it was coming to me but I, yeah i was getting ready to be stupid um because now that stuff typically ends, starts with like an S dash. Yeah, I think they put the 86s on the Max because um, they were trying to crank them out before the band. <laughs> yeah, there were. Uh, that, that's exactly what happened. Um, yeah, very early Mac cans. Now we do we do wipeless conversions on those things nowadays too. Yeah, the old Psionics cans and had wipes, right? One yeah. of the oh yeah, they did. And the the thing that was kind of fascinating about it is there's n number of cans below the thousand serial number, and it's not exactly it's it's like s dash zero 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 one thousand right. and minus. Um, and I have found one that was in the nine hundred range. <clears throat> that had the correction but there's a the very first ones that they made something less than a thousand some unknown number less than a thousand of those original cans had a really thin wall on them oh wow so and they were when, aluminum right yeah yeah they're aluminum yeah and they're safe with the thin wall the way they're made because you end up with those safe-ish, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> because you had that bar stock baffle that then had the spirals cut into oh, it. right. And then drilled through. Mm -hmm. So the gas comes, you know, it's basically when you look down the can, it looks like a continuous pipe of yeah, aluminum like with holes in it's it. A mono, it's an old monocore. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And the gas was supposed to vent out, and then you had two spirals that went opposite directions. And then the white end cap, which really sealed the deal, basically. Yeah. You have, it was a, there's two wipes in it. So you have a plurality of wipes in a cap that screws into the end and all together with fresh wipes i've had people tell me that oh they meter really badly i don't know if that's true or not because i've never actually put fresh wipes in one and then metered mm. it um i don't really care because to me, the important thing is, how does it sound to the human ear? And that thing sounds delicious to the human oh, ear. Oh, yeah, it's, the it's, frequency, it's, man. It's, a, it's a, just this wonderful tone. I love those old cans. And I'm probably the only person who's ever made replacement cans for them. You know, oh, here, buy ours instead of theirs, who will admit that, you know, those are really good cans. Like, if you have fresh wipes, the problem is that wipes will be really effective for about a magazine. Yeah, especially, and, you know, full auto subgun. Yeah, which is what that's they're the, for. You're dumping it, then you're yeah. done. You're like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, but so, I'm sorry. You'll notice this with me a lot. I tend to, I get a lot of things on my mind, and you get me going and excited, and I just jump all over the place. 
But when you pull those spirals out of that thin tubed one, yeah, dude, you can reach out at the distal end and you can flex that tube with your hand. Oh my man, God. it's creepy. <laughs> so I mean, they're using hoop stress to even. I mean, yeah, I yeah. Mean, I guess it's so thin. Yeah. You can flex it with your hand, and I'm wow. just like, oh, oh crap, that's scary, man. The first time I ever took one apart, I was just like, this, I, this is weird, man. I just, I'd never seen anything like it. It freaked me out. Um, I ended up doing a one-off custom tube for the guy because he agreed to it. And okay. I like, and I don't like doing stuff like that. You know, it's like. Yeah. If you call us up and say, hey, will you do this or that customer? It's like, other than inserts, no, I don't want to mess with your stuff, dude. It's like, it's not what we do. Mm -hmm. If I charge fairly for it, we'll end up charging you two or three times what it would have cost you to take it to somebody who actually does that stuff for a living, you know? Yeah. Because they're all set up for it. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, it's like that. So anyways, <laughs> we will not work on those very early Mac cans unless you um, authorize the replacement of that end tube. And okay. you know, we've since made a short run of them. That's cool. And so, yeah, it's like it's a it's hundred extra bucks to replace that tube. But because the way we're doing it is we're doing baffles and spacers. Right. And so the if you hit that just wrong with that thin tube. Yeah. A bunch of our design is when you start talking, you know, you said when you think Bowers, you think Matt cans. Okay. Yeah. Because that's what we did for the longest time. That's what we got famous for. Um so we're used to making cans and we make inserts for the Mac series stuff today that you could put into any of our VersaDap cans. Mm -hmm. And so when it leaves here, we, it may well end up on a Mac at some point. If not now, 20 years down the road, it might end up on a Mac. Or in one of those new other semi-auto subguns that people are buying. And yeah. I need to make sure that if you're putting it on a Mac with you know the original setup, you don't have a lay jumper and stuff, Yeah. that if you shoot up your baffle stack because you're letting it get loose, that you're not going to bounce around through that mm. thing and into your hand. Because that's happened to people, not with our stuff. Oh, that's right, because people will hold the the, the Mac by the can. It's that's the way what, you're supposed to that's do That's what you're it. supposed to do. And a lot yeah. of people would have that's that leather wrap mm -hmm. around that can, and they would use their offhand to kind of hold that almost like a forward, like people are holding that's ARs that. now around the handguard. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's the way it was intended to be used. Yeah. You have these horrible threads. The, the three worst thread pitches ever put on a suppressor since the dawn of time. The dinosaurs got wiped out. They made many thread pitches. These were the three worst ever put on a can. Okay? That's the way it worked. Yeah. Exactly. They're horrible. They and they're coarse, will, too. They're coarse threads. Well, that's why they're so Which, horrible. They suck. You can't keep them tight. Yeah. You have to hold them on by hand. That's what it's for. You, know, you can also yeah. use Teflon pipe tape or whatever. Yeah, but they, they were saying, hey, look, we're selling this bitchin' little machine pistol. Yeah. And they were competing with the HKMP5 for like South American contracts and stuff at that sure. time. 
And if you look at the way it's set up, it's like, okay, with our product, you have this cool machine pistol, stocked machine pistol if you want, just snap it out. Suppressed machine pistol that's now in the same size as an MP5, but ours is suppressed. Yeah. It's like, this is cool, man. We're making badass stuff. It was, it was neat. It was really innovative product at the time. Super high rate of fire. Yeah, you could, yeah. I mean, dude, you can hammer stuff with a Mac. Especially um, the little, you know what's really funny? I Just this morning, I was talking with Mike Pappas at, uh, uh, at the show, and we huh? were talking about um, his, his little 380 Mac he has, the M11A1. Uh-huh. And uh, he was saying, you know, if you get really good with it, and you get a really smooth, quick pull, you can send five rounds at 100 yards into a dinner plate. If you're really, mm. I mean, you, of course, you don't want to hold down the trigger because then you, once you get off you axis, it's going to run away. It, yeah. But yeah, they're cool little guns. Oh, yeah. And if you look at like actual machine pistols, like a, a full auto 1911 or a, a Browning High Power or something like that, holy smokes, man. I mean, no, I'm not going to ever buy one. You know, no. Because like, I don't value something like that at the value that the marketplace is on it. It's like, yeah, I don't even know what they would go for. Now, a well, I long you, time I ago, one. it was 25 <laughs> or 35 grand. And it's probably oh, you're more than that now. 35 grand for like a, oh, you're talking about the, like those machine pistols that are not, not the Max, but like. No, I'm like talking a, about like a 1911s or Browning High Power, oh, stuff like that. You know, no, I don't even, I wouldn't even begin to know. A transferable it, machine pistol. Those have got to be like in that. the tens, of, tens of thousands. Of, I mean. Well, they were back then. I'm, I haven't God even knows seen, I saw, I saw a full auto Ruger Mark III the other day. Uh-huh. And that thing's. Well, that's going to be a postie if it's a Mark III. No. That's the thing. It was a transferable. Oh, they used some kind of trigger pack mm-hmm. or something? Okay. And yeah, I saw it on, I think it was on Reddit or something, or something online. Well, that's kind of neat then. It was really neat, but the, but yeah, the cost again, would be... yeah, not going to be inexpensive. I mean, I, I just bought an M11 uh-huh. transferable, new in box. Uh-huh. Um, and they've, they've doubled in price since, I don't know, like three, four years ago. I mean, it sucks. But at least they're still somewhat affordable. Yeah. People want to get in the game. And the little 380s, I mean, yeah. damn, they're significantly smaller than your M11.9 you just got. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and, and then there's two magwells, and you can even... They're as close as you're going to get to, as the common man can really afford to get to an actual machine pistol. The, the little M11 380s, they're... Um, I like those, and the 45s the best. The, the, yeah, the, the, the 45s the two, are cool. The two big different ends mm-hmm. of it the widest ends of the spectrum yeah i went with the m11 just because of all the lage options and all the well and it's so many it's and it's the least expensive sub gun you can buy period end yeah. of story and now yeah god that's yeah that's the one that all the all the accessories are for yeah and yeah, you, know, you got people making Accessories for the bigger ones and the little ones, but not in the quantity that you can get for an M11 9. Yeah, there's a lot of different options. I, um, it's funny. I, when I'm thinking about you know what silencer to put on that gun, you know I was looking through my collection. I don't I don't own any I don't own any Bauer silencers 
yet. I have. What's wrong with you, boy? I was telling this you. This interview's over. Don't you know who I am? <laughs> I was telling you before the podcast, uh, I uh, actually, about 10 years or so ago, I bought a Bowers Griptastic cover for, I have a Thompson machine subgun can that okay. I had custom threaded to fit on my Bruger and Tom at TP9, which is the semi-auto version of the MP9, which is the copy of the Steyr TTP or TPP <laughs> or something. And I was like, man, I want a subgun, but I, you know, I don't have the money for a transferable yet. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And I was yeah. like, I bought that. And so I put that on there and I got the grip, the griptastic cover is so cool. It's silicone, I guess. Um, and uh, I remember calling your, your company asking, you know, about the dimensions and um, it was weird. I got to talk to a real person and uh, had a good conversation. I don't know who I spoke with, some, some lady, um, but it was awesome. I was like, cool. cool. And then I remember that. And I was like, huh, I should probably, now that I, you know, I'm finally getting a, a Mac and an M16 and stuff, I should probably look into some uh, high-volume subgun cans for, uh, for use on that. Mm -hmm. So I, I was looking at some of, your, some of your products, but one thing I did see that you guys made recently was the, the Biddy, the 22K. Uh, yeah. Do you have it with you? Yeah. <laughs> You're like checking your pockets. You're like, I, it might be in my pocket. <laughs> Well, it's either in this pocket or it's in my coat pocket. I think that's what happened. It's so with it. small. I took my. That's what she said. <laughs> Wait. No, what? no, wrong way. <laughs> Is your core gonna reach? Oh, okay, you got yeah. That. yeah, yeah. No, I, I, um, I actually have. I was at. I believe a couple in my coat pocket, and these are not big coat pockets. They're so small. I, s I actually got a chance to play. Yeah, here's with one, it. and here's one in a box. Oh my gosh. Yeah. For, so for the. People listening, the the box that the Biddy 22 silencer comes in is the same size as a standard 50 round pack of 22 ammo, and it. I mean, I'll let you know. I'll let What's you explain. What's in your drawers? Oh, whoa! Yeah, so Tom just pulled a pulled a, a suppressed AR out of the hotel uh, drawer. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Uh, the 22 <laughs> Biddy is it's a wipeless and dry 22 can and what is it gosh I had notes what does it weigh four five ounces four out ounce, three ounces it's 2.8 inches long weighs 2.6 ounces so it's less than it's like two and a half ounces and it's the size of a pack of gum <laughs> yeah and that's with uh, a titanium tube and there's uh, steel baffles the front cap and the mount are aluminum. That's the only can that we make, by the way, that doesn't take an insert system. We can give you an insertable mount and mm -hmm. an insert for an additional 50 bucks for people who want it. Okay. Um, so, But most people who are doing a, a 22, it's going to be threaded half 28. The only thing you want different is like... The GSG 1911s, for instance, you know, we make inserts for those, we make inserts for mosquitoes, we make inserts for the P22s, which then are, you, that thread pitch, that, whatever that little weird metrical thread pitch is used on lots of different so, stuff. So too. you're making actual silencer inserts for those native threads instead of having people use the typical adapters they use. Correct. Well, that's cool. It adds a little bit of like a compactness. It, it yeah. makes things it makes things more compact. Um, they're thirty five bucks each for standard 
ATAS inserts, which are the ones that go on the 22s and okay. the AS45 can. And how much is this can? Like, on 300 bucks or so, or 400, like something like that. I, I don't really know. It's and I think it's our know, lowest price point product or can anyway, rather. Um, it's so small. It's unbelievably small when I'm holding it. It's it actually does fit literally in the palm of my hand. So you now, a couple things that you have to consider with cans like that. Um, you made reference earlier to high volume subgun cans. Mm -hmm. um, that's where we came from. I like high volume cans with good stacks in them because when I was coming up, we in the suppressor industry all competed to see how quiet of a can we could make. Right. That was the deal. It's like, how quiet can you make it? That's what a suppressor's for. Due to some extraordinarily effective marketing, People have, in my opinion, mistakenly, um, been guided towards, oh, as long as it's allegedly hearing safe and as small and light as you can get it, is you're, you're the better off you are. And I, I would disagree violently with that. Um, Let's take Biddy for an example so that I don't have to say anything bad about any competitors. I'll talk badly about one of my own products. Um, Biddy is smaller, he's lighter, he's louder. Smaller, lighter, and louder go together like yeah. freaking sliced bread. <laughs> I was having a conversation with Dave Matheny, the guy who owns Silencer Shop down in Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. Wonderful guy, very bright guy, terribly bright guy. Um, we were talking about Biddy, and I was talking with him about that whole trend in the industry towards smaller, lighter, and louder. And I kept using that phrase, smaller, lighter, and louder, because it's, well, because it's honest. It's what you're talking about. And it lets... It was conveying well what I was trying to convey that, you know, yes, this whole class of smaller, lighter, louder cans. And he said, well, Tom, you might want to drop the louder out of your marketing. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess for your own product, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's true. I mean, you know, it's, it's funny when I, um, I see a lot of folks now you know, it, it seems like most silencer buyers are new buyers just because of the, the way the market works and the wait times and stuff. And you see people doing the research before they buy their first silencer. And a lot of guys, you know, they have the AR platform because it's super popular. And they, oh, they yeah, five, five, sixes. And they were like, man, you know, I'm, I'm looking for my first silencer and I'm, I'm looking at this K, this K can. It's mm. super durable. And, it's, um, and I tell them, I'm like, you know what? Y you're going to, not necessarily be disappointed, but you're going to be disappointed. Because when you think silencer and you have never shot a silencer, you never owned one, you, you need to realize that like unless it's a decent size and you're shooting a, you know, a subsonic caliber or a bolt gun with a supersonic caliber, you're, you're going to be in for a, a headache. You know, mm -hmm. if you're expecting you know, your James Bond <laughs> type of sound. Or um, even in a lot of cases... Hearing safety. 
Yeah. Uh, there is some, allegedly, I did not see this poll. I did not participate in it. Polls are of limited value anyway. Supposedly, somebody recently ran a poll and asked a bunch of suppressor purchasers or potential suppressor purchasers, why are you buying cans? And 70% of them said for hearing protection. Interesting. You can spend astonishing amounts of money out in the industry right now and buy stuff that is not even close to hearing safe. Not only that, but... You know, when people define hearing safe, it's interesting, you know, they, they go back to this, you know, the OSHA regulation for impulsive right. noise exposure. Perfect. But, but 140 decibels, you know, you shoot a gun that's 140 decibels all day long, that's not good for your ears. Well, <laughs> what I've never heard anybody else ever bring up is that if you actually read the standard, just like how Picatinny rails have the slots go all the way across and there is no groove down the middle of them because mm -hmm. that's a standard. And yeah, you may lie and say that, oh, our pick rail is mil-spec. And it's like, not if it has a big groove down the middle of it, it isn't. Because right. you've destroyed the whole way the thing works and you don't understand the product that you're making. Well, same thing applies here. Yeah. In that... Um, Oh, God. I, I went all sideways again, didn't I? Um, but in the OSHA standard. The OSHA standard, yeah. That's the 140 dB range when you're there at that peak range. That's your top. And it's not 140.1 or 140.3 or 140.6 or 141 or 145. It's 140. Point freaking zero. And I honestly believe that at that level, some people are getting their hearing damaged and probably most people aren't because I'm assuming that they did some kind of at least cursory study. You are limited to 2,000 of those events per year. Correct. By OSHA. Correct. Were you aware of that? Yes. Check I, you out, dude. I'm proud I work of you. In a, I work in an industry. Good for you, man. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, at risk tolerance for, you know, um, in, in industrial explosions, anti-terrorism, things like that. I'm looking at impulsive waveforms for a living. That's what I do. Okay. I did not know that. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't like to talk about it a lot, but, you know, yeah, if you have any questions, sure, I'll answer them. But I will say that people are people have grossly misinterpreted the regulation and and probably use it as, a, as an excuse to market and say hearing safe because you know if you're like let's say okay let's say i have an ar um and i hold it up with a good cheek weld yes and i i, I have my charging handle back and i have an empty chamber and mm -hmm. i hit my my uh, bolt release and that slams onto my barrel ex uh, you know the bolt slams home locked into my my barrel extension that sound alone, I mean, you're not 140, but you're, you're like, what is it, 120 maybe? I don't know. I, have you metered sure. that? It's loud. I have not. Like, I, like, it's funny. I built a 9mm AR with a really heavy bolt and a mm -hmm. really heavy buffer because I wanted to use the max inertial resistance to keep the bolt closed as long as possible to make my gun as quiet as possible. So, you know, I want a really heavy system so that the bolt will stay, because it's a blowback 9mm, so it, the only thing keeping that bolt right. closed is mass. Right, right. So I keep it. So I kept it heavy as I could. So first to test it out, without shooting it, I went to my, you know, 
you know, my backyard with, you know, the magazine out of the gun. I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to see what the action noise feels like. Mm-hmm. I held that up to a good cheek weld and I closed the bolt and it rang my right ear. That sucks, man. And I was like, okay, well, abort mission. <laughs> I was like, okay. I was like, and then I, and then I realized that it was going to sound a little differently when, it's when, when it closed it, on the round. Yeah, yeah. And then I got into the whole thing of chamber depth and I went the whole, the whole rabbit hole and I, <laughs> and, and, I didn't, and I did end up making a pretty quiet 9mm AR, but I, I have since you know, given up that, that pipe dream and realized that at a minimum I'm going to put a, an earplug in my right ear mm-hmm. if I'm shooting an AR. It doesn't matter if it's um, a 16-inch AR, 5.56 with the silencer on it or a 9mm subgun AR or you know or whatever it it's a it's a fool's errand trying to pretend that semi-auto guns like that are not gonna hurt you with the port pop the, I mean it's, mm-hmm. it's so damn loud adjustable gas blocks or something I become a fan of on stuff like that just yeah. because of our experiences with 458s Oh, the 458 SOCOM? Uh, yeah. Are, yeah. Yeah. Um, long involved story I don't really want to get into because it's, well, frankly, probably pretty damn boring. <laughs> <laughs> if people are still listening. <laughs> but, yeah, oh, yeah. If they have any sense, they hung this thing up a while ago. <laughs> uh, so anyways, yeah, the... Um, Upshot being that I had a grossly overgassed TMMG anvil, and it was, oh God, it was so loud. And once I figured out it was overgassed and was able to crank it down, because it has an adjustable gas block on it. Oh, that's cool. It. So it already has it, yeah? Yeah, I just... Is my, it like a meter screw, like a hex, like a hex screw on the end? Or? Yeah, it's an okay. SLR gas block. Oh, SLR, okay, yeah, yeah. I know those. It's a little... Yeah, you, it's it's in an odd place, and you have to get this Bondus huge hex uh, hex wrench. Yeah, that's like twelve inches long or something. Yeah, shove it way down into the handguards of the gas pocket. Yeah, basically, I just had no ha- had no can on it, cranked it all the way down until it shut off, mm-hmm. and then opened it up one click at a time until it ran reliably, and then you throw a can on it and go, okay, now I don't have to adjust it between. Yeah, you know, it's I funny. still don't I, think I've ever shot it without a can on it anyway, because why would I, you know? Well, that, I mean, that's my philosophy. <laughs> yeah, all, all, the, all the AR uppers I build, that's the way I tune them. I mean, I put my I actually tune them with the silencer because I'm never going to shoot them without it. So I put the silencer on. I have, you know, the, the gas blocks I've been using lately are made by superlative arms. Uh-huh. So you can do the restricted mode or the bleed off mode. Okay. And the bleed off's kind of cool because a lot of the blowback you're getting down the bore will vent out. So they're a little louder, but it's almost like, um, it's almost like a, and they have, they make piston systems too, but they make the gas box for their piston system and their direct impingement system. And you can put it in bleed off mode so it'll vent and it runs a lot cleaner and cooler. Hmm. It's kind of cool. Um, so I, I do that. So I, I put, I put the can on the gun. I have the gas box clo- all the way closed. I'll put, one round in the mag, mm-hmm. and if it locks back, then I'm good. You know, if it doesn't, well, then I try it again with another setting. Then I usually open it one more click just to mm-hmm. 
sure. in case it gets dirty or whatever. And the, you know, so I do that, and it makes the gun a lot quieter because uh, you're not overfunctioning. You don't it, get that other pressure it, waveform. It, yeah, it's it's kind of astonishing how much quieter it was afterwards. Because it's I mean, crazy. It was, there's no way it was hearing safe at first, and no way. This was one of the early anvils, and there were several people out there who already had anvils and verse four fifty eights, oh. and they were going, "Oh, this is awesome!" And I'm going, "Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, they're like that should be oh quieter, my. dude." <laughs> No, it sounded okay on video, but you know oh, how but, that but is. You, you couldn't the tell. Shooter. They said it was fine. Mm. So I trusted that they, that it was fine. And then I got my gun. Oh, I see. And when I shot it, I was just like, oh, my God, this is awful. And plus, you're and probably know, why is my Why is my gun so loud? You know, because yeah. this just sucks. And I'm like, are they ignorant? You know, do they think it actually sounds good? It sounds like mine. I'm just like, nah, I, I think there's something with this rifle. And basically, yeah, it took forever to figure mm. it out. But as soon as I did, cranked it down. Sweet. Everything's awesome. Yeah. Our glory was achieved. Um, and, yeah, that's still the, that's the 458 rifle that we take out on demos all the time. Yeah, so you... Um... We beat the snot out of it, man. I know you have you have a four you have a four fifty eight product. I know you have a fifty. You have a fifty caliber. Um, I guess it would be called a verse fifty. Yes. But then I think you have something slightly smaller for folks that don't need fifty caliber, but want four fifty eight. Yeah, okay. the verse four fifty eight. Four fifty eight. Okay, so it's and specialized for that and lower. Yeah, 450 okay. Bushmasters, all that stuff. 45 okay. Raptors, all that kind of okay. stuff. Yeah, that's cool. Um, some people go, oh, I think I'll get the verse 50 because that way, if I ever get a 50, I can run that through it too. And I say, like, ooh, no, don't do that because mm, big bore. At that point, the bore gets so big that baffle starts falling apart. I mean, not literally. It's just you see a significant performance drop off. Uh, our 45 baffle stack is so freaking good, dude. It's, it's very efficient. It's 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 amazing. Um, but you're 40. So you're 45. So you got two. Okay. So you have your pit, your wet 45 pistol can. Yeah, that's an entirely different baffle. Completely different baffle. But yeah. you're talking about your your verse. I guess your verse 458, which I guess is a is a 46 baffle maybe point four six probably not we we warrant it to pass 460 460 yeah. okay through the bore that's what i thought okay yeah it's it's considerably oversized and that it's uh i think we run about a 520 bore on it but i mean you're right when when i think about um and i don't know a lot of folks new to silencers may you know they, they like to get the one size fits all solution mm -hmm. and um and that's you know. fine if you're if you're getting a big enough can that's built well enough to actually do the damn job yeah like a verse 458 but then you're not gonna enjoy that on a pistol okay exactly it ain't a pistol can kid you know you can do it i mean i've done it myself i've shot you know like old cac 45s and cac 9s and stuff back oh, in yeah. the day on glocks and it's like, uh, yeah, they actually sound quite good, but you're going to be racking a slide because it is locked 
TF up. Oh, because it's, it's too much, too much mass. You can't you've got a can yeah. that weighs over a pound on the end of this lever helping lock it. It's like it won't even think about trying to maybe consider opening. I've put a lot of <laughs> I put a lot of silencers that don't fit guns on the guns just because I can. Yeah. And one thing I've learned though, as I've kind of progressed through through the hobby and through the, um, the you know, industry over the years, is that even when you put let's say a 45 caliber pistol silencer on a nine millimeter gun, a lot of people are still just buying a 45, now the 45 cans have gotten so good, they'll put them on a nine millimeter pistol and I want to tell people, dude, if you think that's quiet, get a dedicated nine millimeter can. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a world quieter, especially nowadays, man. The, the technology that's out, I've seen is just, it's, it's kind of crazy how quiet the pistol cans have gotten without water in them well some of them some of them that's true <laughs> not, not all let me plug the rugged obsidian 45 okay oh, I, I have one of those okay that yeah. is a stellar can it's so quiet that is a stellar can that's the only 45 pistol can i've ever heard shot dry that i said yeah that's actually a dry can have you heard, have you heard the aac the, tyrant 45 yeah it, i think the rugged is quieter Oh, it's it's significantly quieter, and it sounds a little deeper to me. Uh, too, but couldn't say. Didn't shoot them side by but, side. But, I know um, enough to not go by memory. I just wanted to say that about that yeah. particular rugged product impressed me immensely. Yeah, uh, I, I bought it's, one. It's it's so it's, quiet. It's crazy. It's, yeah, that'll throw about a hundred and thirty-two dB on a forty-five. Yeah, uh, which is. It's crazy. It's very good. We yeah. were chasing that. Man, remember like 10 years? Like, okay, the K KAC had their 45 can, the one with the, um, you know, for the USP and the Mark 23. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with the spot welds and stuff like that. Yeah. And for its size, dude, it was pretty quiet. I mean, as quiet as you're, I mean, for a pistol, everyone was like, oh, it's all right. It was a wet can. It was a wet opinion. can. Yeah. But I mean, for dry, for a dry 45 can, to sound like the obsidian does. Well, that's... It's crazy. That's the only dry 45 can out there, if you ask me. It's the only one I I was looking at. It's the only damn buy, thing yeah. I'd be shooting dry and yeah. listening to. I put it on and my I FNX. Would. Yeah, I put it on my FNX 45 Tactical. I was plinking pomegranates off a tree. Sweet. At my ranch. with that's without, without hearing protection. Yeah. With a, you know, with a, a little vortex red dot on there. Uh-huh. And I was sitting there, I was at the ranch by myself, and you know, you plink stuff when you're just, it was just a nice afternoon. And I was thinking to myself, I can't, and I was, I was listening to the, the 45 casings hit, hit the gravel, and I was like, mm -hmm. this is crazy. What a time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a, that's a, it's a really neat can. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Yeah, that was the first can that, I've seen come out of a competitor's stable in, God, 10 years that actually impressed me. That's just like, that's nice. I really like that. Other thing that it has, the other advantage it has over like our ASP is if you're going to shoot nine millimeters through it, it will do so reliably. It does. You're, you're um, right. It does. Whereas if you take something that's, if you want to compare that to an ASP, Okay, the 
ASP is, for people who aren't familiar with it, it's about five ounces. It's seven inches long. It's so five ounces. So it's boosterless then. Yeah, it doesn't have a booster. So yeah, so people know like you, you, you have to decouple the inertia of a silencer on a pistol so the pistol can cycle if it's a semi-auto pistol. And if you have a really light silencer, you don't have to do that. So you can make the whole thing lighter. And that's what you guys did. Yeah. So you can make it lighter yeah. and shorter. Short and it's less complicated mm -hmm. so it's less expensive so it's like yeah right. okay ours is keep it in mind it's wet that's yes. the big freaking difference right is it's wet okay so that's why it can be efficient in such a small package if you try shooting it dry you'll go oh my god this thing sucks it's awful it's terrible and you'd be wrong because it's not made for that it's not a dry i wonder how loud <laughs> okay. it is dry huh i wonder how loud it is dry probably like in the like oh 145, it's, it's, it's not safe it's probably sucks. super loud yeah I, I i don't remember but i metered it and said oh yeah that's about what it felt like that sucked you know it's awful so real quick i want to just real quick i want to explain maybe people don't know when we say wet or dry so um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe good, some, good some people might not cover. know. Oh, yeah, um, probably not. It's not race knowledge. Right. Yeah. So when you... Um, a, a silencer works by, by, by slowing the, the transfer of gas from the firearm system to the atmosphere. So you want to keep the gas trapped as long as possible. And the reason we do that is we want to make it cool off and control the expansion to the atmosphere so that the, the loud noise you have from that gas contacting the uh, atmospheric... Um, air conditions is, is, is minimized. When you put an ablative material in a silencer, like uh, uh, we use water or wire pulling gel or some kind of water-based material, um, what it does is it allows that entire system to be much cooler. And that heat is then transferred directly to the water and you vaporize the water and you, you, you know, by, by that phase change, when you, when you have a phase change from a liquid to a gas, you're absorbing a lot, a lot of energy and makes it quieter and that's yeah, you're giving it. Did I work. do that justice? Is that that that's perfect? The phase change basically because you can't destroy energy. Right. You're making it do work. Like, hey, hey, let's turn this stuff from liquid into a vapor state. Right. Fantastic amount of energy used up doing that work. It's awesome. Or yeah. you know, not used up, but but you know, <laughs> transfer changed. Yes. Uh -huh. Moved around. Now that it's <laughs> done that work, it is no longer available to express itself as sound. So yeah, right. it, it, a very good explanation. Yeah. So back to your asp. It's it's a wet can. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's smaller than an obsidian. It's less expensive than an obsidian because it doesn't have an expensive booster. It's lighter than an obsidian. Um, it's like 7 dB quieter than an obsidian. It'll do 125. Yeah, I mean, wet, wet, um, I mean that's so much, that face change is no joke. It's, it's a freakishly quiet can. Have you tried um, it with grease? Or yeah. something that would oh, oh God, yes. We okay. shot it with everything. So you shot it with stuff that can stay in there, so someone could keep it on their nightstand with the stuff packed in there. Yeah, personally, I pre I still I prefer uh, wire pulling gel. Okay, it's just it's better. Um, will that stay in a gel form if you just for quite there? a while? Quite but a while. it will eventually dry out. Yeah, it'll evaporate, I guess. Eventually. Um, yeah, the the predecessor to the ASP was the ATAS can. Okay, and. Um, 
<laughs> I'm such an a-hole sometimes. So <laughs> me and a couple of other guys who were working on this project went and this is at night and I mean, we're shooting this thing in one of the guys' garage. <laughs> and uh, we're looking for various and sundry ablative materials. Wire pulling gel was not yet popular. Um, we could use like shaving cream. It actually works quite oh, well. Oh, okay. Probably a lot of water uh, content in that. Plus some other flammable things maybe. And just, <laughs> the, just this foam that goes okay. everywhere, you know? Yeah. Um, Anyways, we were looking in the the lubrication products. Oh, okay. And so we basically bought, like, here, bottle of this, bottle of that. Like, let's try a whole bunch of different stuff. And there was uh, some... I'd have to look in the old manual to see what exactly what it is, but it's a, it's a KY product. Okay. It's... I, I'm 99.9% .9 sure it's like vaginal moisturizer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And water-based. Out of all the stuff that we tried, <laughs> that was best. Really? That was the best. It was pretty expensive. It was like five or seven bucks for a little bottle like this. So I'm it, indicating something that's slightly larger than a bitty. Was it good because it lasted longer? Be because of its consistency, or it, it I never really identified what it was. It's like you know, hey, if you want cheap waters, do you say good cheap because, enough it, because to, it was quieter? Yeah, I'm talking oh, about quiet. Got yeah, it. Okay. it just it's it quieter. seemed to me like it was quieter than water. I wonder. It certainly lasted oh. longer. It was thicker than water. Um, what if it has alcohol in it? If it has alcohol. That could change I, the energy dissipation properties. Yeah, it's possible. Um, I, I would expect without having one to look at and my memory failing me because this was really quite a while back. Um, hmm. I, I would expect it to be glycerin-based. Oh, that I guess that would make sense. You know, I mean, I guess you don't want to put... Well, there's a family <laughs> pot now. <laughs> Actually, no, you can curse In, on this anyways, podcast too, is, if you want. Anyways, what I was saying... <laughs> So we go up to the we go up to the checkout stand and there's this nice lady there and I throw all these lubricating products on the on the little belt thing and I go I met these guys on the internet <laughs> cuz when you put that out on the belt she's just going to be going oh yeah, oh, a bunch of guys, a bunch of gun guys coming what into a is, Walmart. Putting, what is uh, wrong with you weirdos coming in here buying all these <laughs> all these products anyway? Something's wrong with you boys. So I was just like, oh, let's just own it. I met these guys on the internet. <laughs> do, do you ever run... Um, Think whatever horror you want. It's okay. Do you ever run your... your your sub gun cans wet? Or, I mean... No. Because uh, you don't need to with the volume they have. Well, and the stacks are so good these days, man. Pretty efficient. Um, yeah, and, and that's one of the things I was saying earlier. You were talking about one can that does all. Mm -hmm. The closest thing you're going to find to that is like a, a, a verse 458. And you're just going to have to get over the fact that it's 11 and a quarter inches long. You know? Yeah, and what But about it's like, it'll if you're shooting slow enough 
basically we rate it for 2650 feet a second so if you're shooting some of the slower brands of or slower loadings of mm -hmm. 308 it's like and shoot everything from freaking 308 to yeah you know, it's not made for mag dumps for that you have to remember yes well it's a heavy aluminum tube it's still an aluminum tube right um, so you're it's interesting you're, you're basing a rating on a velocity which has to then assume a bullet weight, but so you're basically saying like it's no, a ballpark. Really. So like 150 grain 308, 2600 feet per second. That's like a 16 inch barrel. So that you know, that that's a pretty reasonable factory ammo charge. But if people are like, you know, in the industry now, you've heard that term full auto rated, right? Mm. So like, I mean, if if someone wants, you know, they say, oh, I want to run, you know, one of your like say your verse nine or your verse. Okay, I guess you could run well, your reverse 458 on a on a 45 Mac full auto. Oh, absolutely, you can run a run a 458 full auto. Yeah, um, but I mean, when you say full auto, like how do you guys define that? I mean, you're, is it like well, a we define it? We define it in the in the actual sense, not in the BS sense. Like, oh yeah, um, <laughs> everything is like, how many magazines do you have? Okay, well, if you if you double that and load them all up, you can just sit there and dump them back to back, and that's what we consider full auto rated. Okay. If you can't do that, then we're going to say something like limited full auto rated, like on our verse thirty can, for instance. Okay? Understood. Um, so for example, but yeah, basically whatever the caliber is that it's made for. So if it's a four fifty eight, if it's a forty five, it's a if it's a nine millimeter. You're getting back to our subgun roots there, and those are. We're betting you can't ruin this can. Do your damnedest, yeah. and it's like, oh, okay. If you got one of those, uh, one of those belt-fed uppers from. Oh, the the uh, the. It used to be the Shrike. What's it called? It's called the. No, I'm fight talking. Light. No, not not. Not Jeff. Um, the nine millimeter. Oh, the oh the nine millimeter one. Uh, I, uh, I I know what you're talking about. Yeah, Freedom Ordnance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that stuff wasn't invented at the time, and it's like, oh, is it safe to use that with this? <laughs> like, do you have yeah, one? Absolutely, <laughs> it is. Have fun, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it's funny. I. <sighs> that's what we mean by full auto rated. It's like it's whatever the round is that it's made for. It's like a USS is, you know, it's it's. Mm -hmm. Nominally, it's a 22 can, or Biddy's nominally a 22 can as well. Um, they're rated for full auto fire in 22. And when I think full auto fire in a 22, I think like uh, an AM 180. Oh, right. You know, and 270 round drums or whatever the hell they are. You know, it's, Biddy, it's a 14. Biddy can do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have video of it. Yeah, um, it's, it's a fourteen-second ride at somewhere around fourteen hundred RPMs or so. I mean, I could pretty quick. You ain't taking the can off for a while after you do that. Let's just put it that way. It's, I mean, not with your hand. I guess you could use an <laughs> oven mitt or something. Um, yeah, I. Uh, it's funny, I. I, I, I almost see in the history of the industry where durability started to be talked about and it was kind of when people 
wanted to use silencers for short barrel 556 which is the craziest gun it, like, it is it's it's an aberration as i mean far and, as and, and don't get me wrong i have some <laughs> uh -huh. but they're crazy like a 10 yeah. and a half inch 556 the the the, the debt products i mean the freaking the freaking products of powder burning are so not used up yet there's a plasma stream coming out of the end of the barrel that's like it's like a powder blast craziness on the on the blast mm -hmm. baffle of a can mm. and and you know surefire they made some back in the day and then you know they were breaking them for contracts and then you know AAC came along and they came out with like you know, the fully welded core on their stuff and it was like you know then you know you started to see those materials like in canal you know, and those high nickel steels, I guess, and then you have the stellites and the, the marriaging steels and things, and now there's this huge durability push, but, you know, the not push a lot of isn't there if you that. don't the put well the push isn't there if the if the can doesn't have enough mass anyway. Well that's true. And really realistically, if you if you start talking about a can for heavy full auto use on a ten and a half inch M sixteen, the damn thing should weigh two pounds. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of... You should have a big old chunk of thermal mass out there, and then it's still going to do you better if you don't heat that thing up so much. Because the other thing that happens that people don't realize, especially on short M16s, is you put a can out there, you blow a bunch of basketball-sized fireballs through it, Okay, now it's too hot for you to take off. So you sit there and you oh, we'll let it cool off. Well, it cools off by that heat traveling all the way down the barrel. I've, I've had, I couldn't count how many times I've been there with an M16 where you can't touch the upper or lower receiver because it's so hot because of heat soak from the can. It's like, and do you think that's good for your barrel? Like, oh yeah. I'm gonna guess not. <laughs> you know the the funniest thing to me that I see recently, and I guess not to talk shit about everyone, but uh, people put these dang centerfire rifle silencers underneath handguards, like recessed, mm. and I'm like, bro, like, how are you holding your rifle? If you let's say you go to shoot a carbine course with your friends. And you're, you know, now is it's the super high speed way you hold your handguard like you, yeah, the, the, the C old, grip. old psionics can, yeah, uh, you know, the C clamp grip, and then you have a can underneath it, dude. You have like four shots. Mm. After that, your fifth shot, you're gonna be like ouchy. Uh, one of the other things that I've noted is that okay, you have all these fancy systems these days for four ends and. Um, people want, oh, I want a really skinny handguard. You know, because, yeah, you can grip yeah, it you better. Can grip it. It's easy to control. Okay. Sure, I'm with you. Well, doesn't that also mean that your diameter is decreasing? You know, that's how you make it smaller, which means now you're closer to the heat source. Mm -hmm. And you see these things that not only do pretty much no handguards these days, have heat shields inside of them right but <laughs> it's like, yeah it's right aluminum it's aluminum with vents to let the heat out yeah the aluminum right on heat super fast because it's really good at it yeah right onto your hand <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, 
And it's like, no, actually what you really want is you want a fatter handguard that puts mm -hmm. you farther away from the heat source. Yeah. That's... If you want efficacy, you know, it's like, I don't know. Efficacy and basically you don't see a lot of, you see you see a whole bunch of crap in the firearms industry that has nothing to do with physics or reality or actual sound engineering principles or even common sounds. No, that's true. And I, I, I was going to ask you a question about that because I, I understand that... These are why our cans are different from everybody else's. Yeah, I okay. mean, when you... When, I, I understand that when you manufacture silencers, I mean, me not being a silencer manufacturer, but I am an engineer and I understand that sometimes um, building something and prototyping it and testing it is much cheaper and also feasible than doing like an engineering analysis of gas flow. Mm. Like, I mean, bu building a building a, a, like a CFD model, you know, a computational fluid dynamics model of the inner workings of a silencer and having the bullet travel through it and seeing how the turbulences of the gases, it's really complicated and no one really does it correctly. So um, I was going to ask you guys, I mean, you guys probably, you just prototype and you see what works over time, but you're, I mean, do you have any, like, are you using rules of thumb that you've learned over the years? I mean, yeah, it's okay. that, it's experience, it's, it's educated guesswork. Um, it is wild ass experimentation. I wonder what would happen if we did this. Um, I've seen people piss away tens of thousands of dollars on fluid dynamics. And I think basically it just typically doesn't work because they're not modeling. Those programs aren't meant for modeling supersonic gas flow in a pressure vessel that has a vent on well, two and, ends. and a projectile moving through it. Yeah, and, and the actual event of the 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 uncorking event when the when the projectile just leaves the the muzzle crown, and that that initial condition is super important to get the whole model right, and then the proper equation of state and you know using it's. Uh, I got to talk to a company at, I think it was at Chacho. It might have been the last NRA. <coughs> I can't remember which company it was, but they were telling me that um, they, had a, they had a contract with one of the national labs to do the work. And well, I know the guys at the national labs, and I know they can't do this right. Mm -hmm. I, was thinking, I was like, no, I was thinking to myself, well, well gosh, like, I wonder how much that cost and, and what the benefits were. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they're learning a lot about the flow, but at the same time, maybe... That would be nice if they can, but... You know? Yeah, the, the models don't work. It's just like climate science models, you know? It's yeah. Like, <laughs> we gave it a few years, and then we didn't achieve our expected result. Therefore, we know there was something mm -hmm. wrong so we'll go back and tweak the data and it's like and and basically just keep running it and running it until it matches and you go okay this is our latest let's try this and a few years go by and it's like no it's not working and then you end up with people like me who go your data is garbage and Maybe when you can accurately tell me 100% of the time if it's going to rain or snow tomorrow. Sure. Then you can talk to me possibly. 
about what you think might happen 50 or 100 years from now. But I mean, like when you tell me, yeah, it's definitely going to snow tomorrow, there's like a 90% chance and it doesn't, it's like, well, okay. You can't even give me 100% and your 90% didn't work out for you again. You know, it's, like, it's really? funny. I, I look at making that, that analog to the, the silencer industry. When the Hearing Protection Act and all this legislation things got popular, it seemed like, at least to, to, to someone from the outside looking in, it seemed like the industry got really saturated with a lot of new manufacturers and you know, and now, as that legislation seems to be not going to happen, most likely, um, no. did, as as a, someone in the industry for such a long time, you know, as you are, when you look at, I guess, the state of affairs through that and, and how the industry is now, like, I don't know, like, what are your thoughts on how things are progressing and moving forward? And, like, what's your impression of the whole game right now? Fair question. Um... Not only did I not think that HPA was going to pass, I was hoping it wouldn't just because there's a bunch of states like Oregon that if it passed, suppressors would have become illegal there. Mm. Because the law says something to the effect of here's all the fun stuff, you know, machine guns, cans, all this. You know, all, everything, everything you want. <laughs> yeah, all the cool stuff. Yeah, all the cool stuff. It's all illegal. An affirmative defense to this is if it's registered, you know, appropriately with the. Silence is illegal. It was it's defense to they, prosecution. They you changed it. it because that's an actual gun-friendly state. Did they change it? Yes, they like, did. I thought the they, penal code told us we can't have them unless they're registered, but I could they, be wrong. Well, it was that way until the okay. HPA was being talked about real seriously, and then they tweaked a line oh, okay. or two in it because they're being proactive. Oh, going, in the HPA. No, 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 no. In our no. penal code in Texas? Yeah. Man, you know the law better than me. That's, like, bad. Texas changed it because they're going, this would make it illegal to have cans in Texas. Oh, Screw so they, that. they caught it. Okay. Yeah, they knew it was coming, and they're actually pro-gun, so they changed it. Oregon is now run by a bunch of commies. They were run by commies at the time, but now they're really crazy, rabid commies. Oh, man. Okay. And... Back at the time that HPA was being contemplated heavily, there was no way in hell that they would have changed the law to, oh yeah, so that you can have suppressors that aren't, you know, other than the ones that are grandfathered that everybody already so has. Crazy. And it's like, the thing is, you got, as far as the state of the industry right now, I mean, like, it's all right. You've got, You've got some people out there making some decent cans. Um, it's scary how much of them are hearing unsafe. And Especially pistol cans, to me. Um, honestly, I haven't looked into what people are making in that area nearly as much. I just, I mostly see it in rifle cans. Um, our product line is really weak on pistol cans because I don't like them as much. I make, the reason why we have such a freaking weird product line is because I make stuff that I want and I'm going, okay, well, since I'm making this, I'll make a bunch of them and you guys can have some too if you want. 
Okay. Okay. Um, and that's really what it comes down to. That was one of my questions on how you did your product development, yeah. but that makes sense. Why the hell have you been? <laughs> why, why the hell have you been around for 21 years and you've never made a nine millimeter pistol cam? Would be a very valid question. And you just got the answer. I had absolutely no interest. I mean, dude, we would sell them, sure. But the thing is that everybody and their dog is making a competent nine millimeter pistol can. It, it sounds yeah. okay to excellent, you know, depending. Depending. Um, there's probably some that are hearing unsafe too, but I, I, I don't honestly know. I mean, and those uh, are the ones that you really need to be hearing safe because those are the ones that, you know, you're, you're holding the firearm away from you and you can shoot without hearing protection, you know? But with a rifle can, to me, a centerfire rifle, unless it's a bolt gun. I'm sorry, what kind of lunacy did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> you said you can hold this away from no, you and well, shoot well, it without hearing protection? Yeah, what I'm saying is when, you, when you're shooting a semi-auto pistol, the action noise, it's not right in your face. Oh, 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 oh. You know what I mean? That's a very important point. That's, yeah, you know, that's that's it, an excellent point. It's not, it's not four or six yeah, inches away you from your AR, ear you know, when you're your cheeked up right on there. it. Yeah. You're right, the ejection port's right by your oh, ear. Oh, man. Yeah, we recently got a, um, a, uh, I always get confused. I have to chew through it. A mini Uzi. Okay. We had a full-size one. That's what we did all the R&D with for our Uzi setup. It fits in the door of my Raptor just dandy, but not with a can on it, unless it's that can that's on that 300 that I hauled out of that oh, drawer. Okay. okay. That little one, but it's not hearing safe on that, mm -hmm. on a full-size Uzi. Yeah. And I can keep six mags in the cup holder... But if you put the can on it, that even that little one, you got to pull two mags out. You know, you do four mm -hmm. mags and the full size Uzi. So I'm going. I want a mini Uzi, or excuse me, yeah, mini. Mini is the mid-sized one, and then micro, micro is Uzi. the That's really right. small. Three Uzis, one. micro, mini, and full. Yeah, and yeah. I have to, like I said, process yeah. it to not call it the wrong one. <laughs> so the mini is significantly shorter than the full-size Uzi. Yeah. And we're doing the Girls in a Gun event down in Texas a week or so ago. And uh, I finally was having an opportunity to shoot this thing. And my buddy who was helping me out there, I, I put a Verse 9S on it. I go, pop, pop. He goes, oh, that's... That sounds really good. And I'm just like, oh, oh, my ear. Oh, really? Cause, yeah, because the ejection port is just <laughs> right there. And it's got a nasty ejection port well, pop. Well, it's an open bolt sub gun. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... But, but a full-size Uzi sounds marvelous. It's wonderful. That's it's true. A, it's a, the it's stock a lovely is, The stock hose. is longer. The gun's bigger. It's further away from your ear. I think it's right the there. Or something. I think it's still right there. Maybe it's the barrel. Well, I, it's the barrel. Well, the barrel is longer on it. Yeah. Uh, the receiver is longer. But I think that the way you're cheeked up on it and everything, I think your ear is still about the same distance yeah, from the, the from the the ejection port. It's just you have more run out, you know, 
so the the mass in motion holds the bolt closed for that much longer that makes more sense um, yeah this shorter yeah it's just like how uh a lathe jumper for instance versus the the, 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 the stock mac yeah it's you're bouncing that bolt back in that little tiny short distance so you have you know 1100 to 1400 rpms and you make that distance longer and yeah now it has some room to run yeah, out or you, or you increase the mass by using that tung those tungsten bolts they have yeah yeah well, super cool. the ones that tom wright's making yeah yeah i bought one of those cool yeah i'm super psyched about it have you got it in yet? No, because I might, I got away uh, from my, my paperwork for my transferables. Oh, right. I know. I'm like... It's a good purchase. It, you will be happy I mean, it took me it. a long time, and I, I, for a long time, I wanted a machine gun and... Um, well, yeah. You're you know, American, and I right? I decided, yeah, I bought, so I bought two. I was like... <laughs> good I'll, for you. I bought an M16 and a Mac, and I'm like... Oh, I'm waiting. awesome. I'm waiting. Awesome. And so I figure, like, between those two, I feel like I can do what I need to do. I mean, mm. as far as calibers and stuff, you know, the only thing I guess I couldn't do would be like a 308, but uh, I don't know why I would, I mean, that's full auto, that sounds like, you know, a lot of a- It's actually not terribly fun, typically. It's a um, lot of energy. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is. Well, that's the reason why they came out with an M16. Yeah. It's like, okay, now Joe Average guy can shoot this on full auto mm -hmm. without having, you know, without getting into aerial gunnery halfway <laughs> through the match. You know, you know who I met at SHOT Show was James DeGroat. Okay. The DeGroat Tactical, you yeah. know, the guy who makes the miniguns and stuff. Those are cool. <laughs> um, I was going to ask, um, are, there, are there anything that, I don't know, Anything you want to talk about, about new stuff you're exploring or doing or you want to try that you haven't done? Or? Well, I did want to get out there the, you know, the thing how we were talking about, shorter, shorter lighter, louder. Mm -hmm. um, if you're not really worried about compromising in those directions, you can actually make stuff that's really quiet. You had yeah. referenced earlier that it's your impression that most people buying cans these days are new buyers. Mm -hmm. um, <coughs> I would, I've come to the same conclusion that from a little bit different angle, my conclusion was that most people out there right now have never actually heard a quiet can. Mm, that's an that's a interesting way to put it. And so, yeah, that might mean that they're a new buyer. That might mean that they're a new enough buyer that they've been buying stuff that's marketed really well that's smaller, lighter, and louder. Mm -hmm. um, being sold as hearing safe that may or may not be um if you look back at, remember i was gonna say i didn't want to slag on any competitors i want to just how about let's slag on biddy because he can take it um <laughs> i love this thing biddy is bitching okay <laughs> so that's small a, that's a really cool little can okay it's so light too yeah and that's a titanium tube so essentially what you have is a heinously chopped down uss and yeah and with the a USS titanium for, for the tube. Listeners, that's your other 22 that's your full-size 22 can, that's our right? full-size 22 can okay so this is a chopped down uss yeah it uses three of what's well, a modified version of joe godini's omega bafflement okay okay that we licensed the, the from him cone. oh and you licensed it from him yeah we don't steal stuff I, that's I, cool I, I think that's i wonder if people other people have been licensing it no 
Oopsies. <laughs> no, they. But I digress. <laughs> uh, no, we we license stuff um, that is the intellectual property of other people, other people that belong to other people through their hard work and inventiveness. Imagine um, that. <laughs> I think that that's uh, the appropriate way to handle things like that if you are actually impressed. Um, many, many years ago, we were making the CAC-22, which was the only K-baffled can we've ever made. Okay, mm -hmm. and it was pretty damn good. That would do 132 dB. Um, it was a six inch all stainless can. It was one of the quietest 22 cans in the world at the time. Um, not the, but one of them. And Joe called me up and he's like, Tom, he's like, I've got this baffle I've been playing with for a while. And he's like, I finally got it done. It's just like, oh, dude, this thing is, it's so awesome. It's so good. I'm like, okay, yeah, neat. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> and uh, he's just, he's freaking losing his mind. He's raving about this baffle. I'm like, Okay, man. Um, yeah, that's 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 cool. He's like, you want me to send you a stack? And I'm like, well, sure. You know, this was way back when when he was SWR. Yeah, yeah. This is when he first came out with that with that machine. Okay. Yeah, and, and uh, got it dialed, and he'd put the work in already to get it get it dialed in pretty damn good, and. Um, and this was for nine millimeter at the time. No, this was for, for 22. twenty-two. I'm sorry, it was yeah. for twenty-two. Okay. And he was, uh, but he was just going on. He's just losing his damn mind. And I'm going. I expect it's better, but you know, come on, you know, how how much better could it be, right? Than the and K it, baffles you were using at the time. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And. Um, so I got the stack, and I was using a heavier tube than him. I had to chuck up all the baffles and chuck them in a collet and turn the flange down and da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. Get it all trimmed down so it'll fit inside my tubes. And I was in a garage, and I had a pistol, and... I shot the CAC-22 into a block of wood. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty damn loud inside a garage shooting into a block of wood, sure. you know, but... Yeah, it's the wood that's loud, but, you know... <laughs> yeah, you still, you have that, you have that baseline. You know sure. what it sounds like and that, mm -hmm. you know, most of the other stuff out there is significantly louder than yeah. that and da-da-da-da-da. And I put the other can on. So I didn't have two pistols that were identical at that time. And uh, shot that and it's like, damn. That was a dramatic difference between the two. Uh, I instantly 
Isn't it cool? When you can a lot by your of times yeah. you have to. You can train your ears. You can train yeah, your hearing. Yeah. Um, I can typically, historically, accurately tell you if something is two dB louder than another. That's pretty close. Than another round. Okay. Um, we do use a meter now. Sure. But most of the R and D that this whole company was built on was based on my ears. You know, it's, you can train yourself to ignore things like a ballistic crack. Sure. Go, What's actually quieter here, you know? Um, assuming you don't have a bunch of hearing damage already, I've always taken really good care of my ears. Uh, they probably are going to hell just because I'm getting old now, but, um, one big old tip is it's not just gunfire. Don't listen to music at grossly elevated levels. Do not drive with your windows down. Right. That is so freaking loud, dude. So loud, and it's sustained. It's oh, yeah, sustained yeah, yeah. It's constant stuff. And remember, for the listeners who are not used to OSHA standards, and they're going, <laughs> yeah. oh, the 140 for impulse noise. <laughs> yeah, that the noise where you're supposed to wear hearing protection for a continuous noise is at 85 dB, not 140. It's like, at 85, you put on the earmuffs, and it's like, yeah, that's not anywhere near 140. That's right. So you so you shot that and you you shot Joe's new oh, baffle I was in your garage. Wow, he didn't sell it hard enough. <laughs> that was the one. So those he baffles. Was, he was raving about that can, and I was just like, oh god, you know. <laughs> Twenty-two. That was that ended up being the Warlock. Yes, yes, that's yes. The, that's the, that's, that was the sealed aluminum SWR that's Warlock. A, that's a quiet fucking can. Yeah, it is. It is. You know what? I the don't, USS is quieter than that. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Is it longer? No, they're the same no. size. Cool. 6.4 inches. Cool. Um, is it take, can you take the USS apart? Yes. Sweet. That's what USS stands for, is user serviceable suppressor. And it, it, and our, it uses uh, Joe's licensed valves. Yeah, a variant of them, yeah. They've, they've changed over the years. Um, I'll tell you what, you know, like I was talking about how, you know, you're going, do you use fluid dynamics? Like, oh, hell no. Um, I have to ask everyone that just for completeness when I already know the answer. <laughs> just because I've seen people try to do it and I keep telling them, oh, keep I, trying. I, I know of a good number of companies who have, and yeah, they've basically just pissed away tens of thousands of dollars on them. I mean, stuff. I know how much my company charges to do those analyses, uh -huh. so I can imagine how expensive it would be. Do you believe you could correctly model a gunshot? I think you can. No, you. Me, myself. Do you believe that you could correctly... If I came to you and said, hi, I'd like to hire you and uh, mm -hmm. do some fluid dynamics on supersonic gunshots through... Well, a can of this size with these baffles in it. Do you think you could correctly model it? I think it? that my company could do a relatively good job because I'm a structural engineer and I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the influence of load on components and how the components respond or the materials respond. Mm -hmm. We have another division in my company that actually models the phenomenology of the explosion itself. And okay. so those are the guys that are doing the combustion modeling and the flow modeling. Uh -huh. um, and so we partner together on projects to where you know, I'm, we're giving them inputs from another group of our company. They're modeling the, the, the explosive loading and the waveforms, 
and then I'm modeling the structure. So what I would do is I would create a model of the silencer itself and mm -hmm. tell you what your stresses were, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so if you know, if you ask me, if if someone, if you ask me, if if you say, well, you know, can you model using CFD? Could you model the 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 inside of a silencer and the gas dynamics accurately? I would say yes, because given enough money and time, anything is possible. Mm -hmm. But I would say it's not practical to do, I think. Um, I think you could learn, you know, I will say, I think you can learn a lot from analytical modeling. And I think you could model a lot of different things within the silencer and a lot of different conditions. And you could see how changes you make in geometry could influence different turbulence mm -hmm. and different laminar flow and different um, jetting effects and gas velocities. So you could learn some things and you could put all that on the table, but I think at the end of the day, you still need your prototyping and your testing to back it up. And, and that's not only with silencers. Like with, um, with structural design, and I, I design buildings to resist uh, postulated blast Overpressure load. and stuff. Overpressures yeah. from like terrorist attack, for example. Mm -hmm. Even with all the models that we create and we run on a daily basis, um, I run a test facility east of San Antonio where we actually subject components to overpressure waves okay. at full scale. So, I mean, we're, we're studying and tweaking our models continuously, and without that real testing... So you um, should become a climate scientist. Oh, my God. <laughs> Trying to move away from that. <laughs> that, was, that was mean. I'm sorry. No, I mean, those guys, you know, it's funny. Climate science, gosh, that's even more complicated. There's so many. And, you know, it's the time scale. It's well, problem. Yeah, exactly. It's The time scale. It wrecks it, man. You can't. What the? We're dealing with things in the millisecond time regimes. Exactly. You know, exactly. the climate scientist dudes, they're like looking at, you know, centuries. Yeah, 50, 100 years out, and it's like, yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to prove something when... You have to wait, bef you know, longer than you're alive. <laughs> yeah, and, and then that's the thing. Like, you know, that, well, that's the beauty of it is when you have people saying things like, you know, in, in the seventies they were. I know you weren't born yet, but in the seventies, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm early eighties. <laughs> in the seventies, they were talking about the ice age that was going to happen. Um, the coming ice age and now they decided oh no actually it's going to be global warming <laughs> and it's like um you know yeah you can sell your little terrorist tactics all you like scary stories but i ain't buying well, and you look yeah. back at the history of the globe and it's like it's been a big freaking snowball before and it's been all nice and warm with lovely three-foot freaking dragonflies before. Yeah, I haven't really figured out, because I guess I just haven't studied it close enough. I haven't figured out how they get away from the argument that there's these huge changes in the, in the Earth's climate over long periods of time. And I guess they do, you know, they look at data and they're trying to say that perhaps um, the changes that they're observing now or have observed in human history are aberrations to the normal changes that have occurred over millions of years but I don't know how, I don't know if that's true or not so I don't even I, I just I feel like I'm not sure like I, I don't I don't know what to believe <laughs> well it's, it's fair enough and really you can just flip a coin yeah because nobody really knows yeah is I, what it comes down to yeah they don't I mean, it's only because of the models I um 
to bring it back a little bit, I, I had a, I'd, I've asked a couple people this, and I, I always wonder, when I, when I was um, getting in the silencers a little over 10 years ago, um, I was a gun guy, and I figured out that I could get silencers, and I was like, okay, cool, cool, <laughs> let me do that. And so I, I started getting into them, and I, and I very quickly realized how important um, weapon physics were to using silencers. And when you, you put a silencer on a weapon, how that can change the physics. And so I like to ask people, like, what are some of your favorite silencer hosts? Like, oh, oh, oh. I'd seen that when I looked at your podcast page, the other, your oh, other, yeah. your previous two victims. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. I didn't victims, listen yeah. to any of the, the, any of the podcast long enough to, you know, to, I told to get you to I got their, distracted. To get to their answers. So I didn't get to their answers, mm -hmm. um, which is, Probably good because that way I'm not going to be. I think everyone has their own unique opinion. There's some commonalities, probably. Um, do you want to water or anything? No, nah, we're good. good. Right. Um, now remember how we were talking about like where I come up from. Yeah, and we have a heavy sub, you know, submachine gun background, things like that. So was your first sub gun a Mac? Yeah, it would have been. Uh -huh. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's how you got into silencers? Or? Uh, not really, no. no? Um, just, like I said, I needed busy work for the turning oh, center. That's right. And uh, so I was like, well, that's something we can make without a mill. Okay. Um, What's the first gun you used for a silencer, though? Or used a silencer on? Well, I had Max, so yeah. So, so it was Max. Okay. So and, and, and the thing is that I was... I was CAC, the original CAC-9 was the first can that we made. CAC stood for cheap-ass can. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay. It was designed to a price point. And that price point were the wipe cans that I have admitted quite clearly I like those cans. They have good bones. They're really solid. You can safely shoot your machine gun through them while you're holding onto them and not worry about a round because you let it come loose. Mm -hmm. Not worried about bouncing around through your hand because it's not going to happen because they're built correctly for that purpose. Okay? Yeah. And that matters. Super, super important. It really matters. <laughs> yeah. There have been other companies that have made cans for Max that weren't built as robustly where people have caught bullets through their hand. And that's... Dude, it's your hand that's complicated and fragile. <laughs> it's not on. good to shove bullets through it. Generally not. Yeah. Um, gonna suck. Yeah. And, I mean, like, most manufacturers anyway are gonna have insurance, okay? You don't want to use it, man. <laughs> no. It's like, no, that's there for in case something entirely unforeseeable goes horribly wrong. Yeah. And your goal is to observe, identify potential areas of hazard, and do your damnedest to mitigate those hazards before you release a product out into the wild and go, 
oh my god i didn't know somebody would do that with it you know because it happens man it happens um where the hell were we? I'm so, sorry, I got no, all no, cattywampus cool. no, again. It's, it's, no, there's, there's no limit here. Um, <laughs> the, uh, we were talking about your favorite host. Favorite host. Favorite host. Um, wow. Boy, I got way off track there. Hey, man, it's, it's all good. So the subgun thing. Yeah. Um, MP5 probably is about my favorite Do you use of the, the all of them. Do you use the suppressed locking piece and different rollers in it? Or? No. You, so you just put a, like a CAC-9 directly on the like a three-lug? or Well, or Verse 9S the, Verse these 9, days. Verse 9S these days, because that's okay. the shorter one. On the threaded MP5 Navy barrel or something? No, the three-lug. Three-lug, okay. Um, I don't have any issues with threaded interfaces. And okay. There's a reason why people use screws and bolts is because sure. it's an inclined plane and it works. It's, it's a Absolutely. wonderful little machine. Absolutely. Um, quick detaches of any variety are necessarily going to be significantly more complicated. They're going to add weight. They're going to add length. And it's like, okay, so you want the tiniest little quick detach can you can get, right? Yeah, because you yeah. want to add some weight and length to that thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, people. Anyway, um... Yeah, that that as far as just absolute suppression for a center fire pistol sub gun kind of round. They they sound pretty I good. I actually don't like MP5s themselves um, because the ergonomics blow, man. Well, they don't have last round bolt hole open either. And the the selector sucks. I mean, like. The grip yeah. angle's nice. It feels good. The, the A2 stock, is it the A2 stock, the fixed stock? That, that's kind of, I don't know, I get a, kind of a good cheek weld on it. Yeah, it, it's fine. The stock works fine for me. I, mm -hmm. I like the grip angle on the grip. Yeah. Um, I don't particularly care for the sights. The, 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 ghost, the ring? Yeah. The, the HK ring? Sure. And the concept is... If you're up close, you just throw the dot on them and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. and, and they work for that. You know, it's, it's cool. Um, I'm typically running a red dot on whatever anyway. Um, yeah, so it's like, to, okay, you know. put the red dot on whatever you're... Right. <laughs> um, it's just there's something about that particular, you know, the, the full-size MP5 with their little roller lock goodness... And you can put a really freaking good can on it and get very little ejection port pop, if any. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so it'll let the can work. Yeah, I used an SWR Trident mm -hmm. with, a, with a three lug on um, an MP5, and it sounds amazing. Uh-huh. It just and those are the same kind of baffles you're talking about. The no, the curved cone mill, t mill cut. That's the Joe's baffles. Oh, oh, yeah, for, that, for yeah, that, for that, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't use those baffles in our. Oh, but not cast. in yours. Not in, not in your uh, your your verse nine, right? Yeah, the the we're actually changing. We're on the leading edge of making another significant change to the. Our standard baffle design that we use in all the, the subgun stuff. Um, can you pause for a second? Yeah, we can pause. I think we can pause right. Okay, we're back. We had a we had a potty break. 
Okay. So, we, yeah, we were talking about the MP5 So, as a host. that just sounds really nice. The Uzi sounds very close to as nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but the Uzi is open bolt, whereas the MP5 is closed bolt. Correct. Okay. Correct. For listeners who might not know the, the difference between that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's only 2 or 3 dB louder for a full-size Uzi than an MP5. Um, they sound really, really nice. Right before, actually, right before you went to the bathroom, I don't want to... Were you gonna say something? You changed. You're gonna changing your baffles of your verse nine. Yeah, we're well. I mean, you the, four, to... the four fifty eight baffle has. I've approved a change on that, and it's noticeably better. Okay. Um. That has not been tested in the fifty okay, and so nine it... millimeter configurations. I expect it will translate across. I'll be surprised if it doesn't translate across. So, so that's just in the works, and it might be. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. I didn't want to derail us, but I, I, I wanted you to finish that point, so listeners can know that you are still innovating on your stuff. <laughs> oh God, yes. Oh God, yes, man. <laughs> um, all the time. Cool. All the time. Okay. So um, we we do. Significant R and D. It's okay. Well, it, I'm a p- competitive son of a bitch, is what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, and, well, I mean, you can tell that with the biddy, and I love how you're, the social media kind of uh, campaign you guys have been running, putting them everywhere. And actually, did that when I saw it at Sponsor Shop late last year. I put it on there, and I put him next to like a dead air nomad, and I was like, look, he made a friend. <laughs> 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 but yeah, it's the. It's the smallest dry wipeless can out there that I have. I actually haven't shot safe. it yet. Either. Okay, now part of that thing that I still never finished was if you stick it on a pistol, it's louder than I like. Sure. Okay, yeah. it's perfectly hearing safe. Yeah, but the pressure out of a pistol barrel is going to be higher than a rifle because it. Oh, uh, way higher. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But the thing is that the USS has eight of those baffles in it, plus a blast baffle, mm. and this only has three. Yeah. This is 2.8 inches long. That's 6.4 inches long. Which one can do more work as yeah. a scientist? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is shorter. It's lighter, and it's louder. You ever met, and that's the way shit works. Do you ever think about doing if a you modular want, one? What's that? A modular one, like the rugged Oculus. They have, you know. I don't like modular cans. I think they. If people want to buy them, they can yeah. buy them. That's fine. I'm not. I don't care. Sure. Um, I like to. When people ask me about that, I like to throw out my experience with Dan Wesson pistol pack. Ah. It was basically I have a. a you changed the barrels and shrouds on this 357 was what this was mm-hmm. revolver so you have a frame and you have a snubby four six and eight inch barrel and shroud combination so you've, you can do them all with this one frame and there's a little wrench and a shim it's easy peasy to change barrels on anything super accurate pistol is really wonderfully accurate it was it was Pretty freaking awesome that way. Yes, I did shoot it in all configurations. And then very shortly after that, I settled on a four inch because that was the most appropriate one. And I had a variable Burris on the eight inch one because that was what you could use from a rest. 
and just like hammer stuff at a hundred yards with boring reliability. Okay. It just, if you could get the crosshairs on it and settle down, you could drill a hole in it, period. But I mean, I guess, so you're, you're basically your point is, my you're point gonna is, find, you you're find, your, find what favorite configuration. You find the configuration yeah. you want, you leave it in it, and you're done. You're not ever going to be swapping it back and forth again. So you know, it's, it's like, buy the damn can that you want. If you want a real short one that's going to be lighter and louder, get the short one. If you're going, oh, no, I really want one that's quiet, well, it ain't going to be the short one. It's going to be the bigger one. Now, thing is, though, that the stack is good enough that Basically, here's what your here's where where your numbers are. Now we don't publish numbers because for myriad reasons. Uh, one is that because we're not going to lie about them, and if you go out and publish truthful numbers, you are at a disadvantage if you have the quietest can in the marketplace because people claim better numbers than you're putting out. Yeah. I'd like to use the USS for an example for that, okay? Okay. Um, you can do the math yourself. Your typical rifle will be right at 140 dB, or typical 22 rifle. You know, 139 to 141, it depends, you know, a little bit rifle to rifle, okay? And <laughs> so you have all these people going, oh, yeah, our, our 22 can is 40 dB reduction. <laughs> okay, so you've got a 100 dB can. On that rifle, or are we talking pistols? So now it's like, yo. 100 dB, that's quiet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's quiet. <laughs> What's the quietest 22 can that's not an in, or that's not an, okay, let's see. You guys, let's say 16 inch barrel. I've got one I metered all the way down to 107. Okay. That's the, quiet. The best I've ever seen independently tested and published is the USS. At 112 on a rifle and 114 on a four-inch class pistol. Okay. I haven't. I haven't been the USS. The if you for 22, for if 22 you bought a USS today, you can expect to get 110 and 112. Okay. A rifle and pistol. Yeah. Uh huh. It's pretty good for pistol. Pretty good for anything. I mean. Well, it's the too. quietest can out there. Is what it comes down to, and. You have people claiming better numbers than it will do. So you kind of know. So you go, really? So if I'm honest and I publish our numbers and I go, we get 40 dB so on a pistol. Says, oh, I get 41 dB. Oh. <laughs> you can go to Silencer Shop's webpage and look at the manufacturer's claims and there's multiple people claiming 41 dB on a 22 can. Yeah. So it's, we don't publish numbers because there's that. And then another thing that most people probably don't know, because you don't know it unless you go out and meter stuff all the time, is that you get about a 5 dB average range. Oh, but between shots in a string, you get your first round no, of pop. No, 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 no. I'm talking about if you do 
you you go out and you measure this can. Yeah. You go, okay, I got this this drum of ammo. Mm -hmm. I got this rifle or pistol. Mm -hmm. um, I've got this can. And you take it and you set up your meter stand on your brass pile mm -hmm. every time. So the only thing that's changing is atmospheric conditions. Okay. If you go and you test that can, you get an average each day. When you've tested that enough times, you'll get about a 5 dB spread. Just from atmospheric conditions. Yeah, I guess I've the, seen two dB in pressure. I've seen two dB in half an hour with a twenty-two. I've seen as high as a six dB spread, but I don't. I've, I've only duplicated that on one can setup. You almost need a baseline can every time you test. Oh, I use one every time yeah. I test because yeah, you have to take a. You should. I, think, you, I, I feel like I, I heard Kevin Brittingham from Q say that once I think when because you know they've tested so many damn cans he, he I think he got a he might have used an element every time or oh, I don't want to put words in his mouth he I don't know when he said that I, I can't remember he was saying that uh you know they know they knew that something wasn't quieter because every time they were doing a baseline with one of their same cans so they could adjust it you know what I mean? Like so, like you're saying. Basically, like you, what it comes down to is you have a can that you've tested a lot. You've got so a lot you know of data points on. Yeah. yeah, you can expect a five dB range on that can. Right. The thing that's kind of interesting, thankfully God, it's accurate, is that on a crappy metering day when your can, your your baseline can that you're using, is loud and you're at that top of that five dB range. Well, everything else is going to test loud too. That's yeah, right. and it's all going to be shifted the same direction. You it can normalize it. It's not yeah. like you have this skookum baffle that oh, when other people test loud, this one gets quieter. <laughs> it's you know? a quantum it's, baffle. If it knows you're measuring, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> <laughs> no shit, right? Um, so oh, yeah. yeah, but the thing is that okay, say you're honest and you have this five dB spread. Where are you going to call it anyway? Yeah. Are you going to give a range? I've seen Barrett. Mm -hmm. Barrett give a range on a can. And it's like, whoa. It's interesting. They're giving a range. I didn't see that. That's really interesting. I was like, that is freaking fascinating. It's like, and due to the fact that they gave a range, I tended to believe their data because it's like, they're going, well, this is what we have. Yeah, I guess the only okay. way you would have to control conditions. So the thing is route. that yeah. people who are honest with their numbers still don't typically feel obligated to tell you that they've tested it at 5 dB louder. They go, this is, we've tested it at this number. Okay, that's fine. Like mid-range for a USS, I'd expect 112 and 114. When Silencer Shop did their testing that that time in the baffles life, okay. So you could expect about two and a half, three dB quieter well, on a, a really good day. Anyway, I think, I don't it's think... still it, it works. It works out. It, it'll scale. I mean, but when I when I test, I typically get the same kind of numbers that they do. Okay. Okay. Within like three or so probably decibels. Less than a couple, okay. typically. Okay. Um, what, me the, what meter are you using? The the, the old analog B and K. Uh, it's a it's a it's a B and K digital. I don't remember the number okay. on it right off. 
I think I know you're It's about. a light one. It has an L on the end for light. Um, but you found it, it reliable. It won't, for your it won't take two microphones. Okay. Like the current standard is the two microphones. Mm -hmm. It won't do that. Okay. Silencer Shop has the more updated one from that that has the two microphones that you can put on it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um Sorry, I derailed you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> so talking about numbers, it's like, okay, so, yeah, basically, no one's going to give the highest. They typically don't give the mid. They'll give you the very best they've ever tested something at. And then the dishonest people will just go, oh, really? That's what I'm competing with? We'll just add one or two dB to that. I've heard a lot of manufacturers say the same thing you're saying. Like, that's why they don't advertise numbers, because people will just... You know, if you're honest about it, you can do like we do. And uh, silencer shop does independent testing, right? In every class of can that we make that they happen to carry, our stuff is the quietest they've ever tested. Cool. So the quietest 458 can, quietest 50 can, quietest 22 can, quietest 45 pistol can. Um, everything that they carry is That's the quietest cool. thing they've ever tested in that class. That's independent testing versus... Right. Versus whatever... Me saying whatever the hell... Yeah. You might think that I want to... If I was a shady bastard, telling you whatever the hell you need to hear to, to make that purchase. It's like... I. Honestly, yeah, I would love for you to get our cans, okay? I don't really care if you do. I mean, it, it, basically, I'm going to take the attitude that it's your loss if you don't. Because you're going, oh, well, I want something smaller, lighter, and louder. Well, bitchin'. <laughs> I, hope you're, I hope you're happy with it. But damn, that's not what I want, you know. I just, you know. Mm. I can't wait to, to shoot the biddy. I'm going to. A biddy on a rifle. Again, these are like midpoint numbers. Right. You get 135 on a four-inch class pistol, which to me is. I don't find that particularly pleasant. Now I've got a not for a twenty-two. I've got a Smith and Wesson Model Forty-One bitchin' pistol. Oh, those are pistol. so cool. Uh, this one's all red. And That's shit. one missing from my collection. I don't have a, a a twenty-two pistol like that. Yeah, this is a it's it's gun candy red. They look weird because like the things the barrels like lower in the axis than the slide, right? Isn't it like no? You're thinking or? about that that other one. Oh, I think yeah. Oh. This is this is the target pistol with a oh, seven inch barrel. Oh my bad, that's my bad. It's a uh, Smith and Wesson Model Forty One. Okay. Um, basically, it got all rusty, so we gun candied it, and it's just bitching. <laughs> it's on my it's on my instagram page um I'll check it out but uh yeah it's seven inches Biddy starts sounding pretty good on it i'm very comfortable with that and on a rifle it's quiet and on a on a rifle it's yeah you'll throw 117s so that'll you, be about your average. So, so like on a quiet day, it'll run 115. It'll be about, you know, closer to 120 on a loud day. Um, but so it, 
it compares quite well with most people's full-size cans. It's actually quieter than most people's full-size cans on a rifle. But yeah, because it's a significantly abbreviated can, it's going to kind of suck on a pistol. Right. And especially a, compared yeah. to something that is <laughs> so much more volume to do, so well, I mean, much it's the more same work thing. with, I, I, I and, own a, and a so rugged, many more baffles in it. I, yeah, I own a rugged Oculus. It, you take it apart, and when it's the, in the short configuration, it's very similar to, to Biddy's size, although still heavier than Biddy. And longer. And, 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 and longer. Um, and it's that is not that good on a pistol, but it's good on a rifle. And mm -hmm. that's the same, because it, that's just how it is, and people know that. Rifles are quieter than pistols. Rifles are quieter, than pistols. lower... lower Pressure. So, okay, to bring it back to our conversation about hosts, then, what's your favorite 22 host? Oh, dude. Anything bolt action, man. Everybody should have. If you're an American and you have a 22. What's your, what's your favorite bolt action 22? Oh, uh, well, if you want to get nasty about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Volkwartsen makes this oh, biathlon toggle action rifle so that we got in. One. Hey, I'm sorry you're poor, man. Hey, dude, I have a <laughs> I have a four I have a CZ 452 American with a walnut stock. Okay, it's badass. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> no, but go on about your race gun. <laughs> oh, the thing is glorious, man. Um, it's no quieter than any other bolt action 22. It's just, you know, it's toggle action, little biathlon kind of thing. So it's a, basically, for the readers who aren't familiar with it, it operates like a straight pull bolt action. It's oh, a lot cool. like a Luger toggle. Cool. There is a toggle in it. Okay. And it's just, yeah, yard it back, shove it forward. There's no cranky bit to so the. It's super quiet. Obviously. Yeah, it's as quiet as any bolt action, but it's faster to work. Mm -hmm. And it has a glorious trigger, and it's super accurate. And I love it. I love it so much. So you got you got the 22 bolt action. You're not a millimeter host. MP5 was what I picked MP5. for that. Um, as far as carbines, there yeah. are a couple of good carbines. The CMMG guard is wonderful. Is that the radial, radially delayed blowback? Yes, yes it is. Um, and I'm specifically speaking of the 16-inch one because, mm. oh, like, for instance, uh, clearly the radial delayed blowback was designed to work on a 16-inch barreled action. When you put it on something like the four-inch Banshee, and apparently now they're calling the eight-inch mid-range one a Banshee as well, so it makes it that much more confusing. Okay. Um, it's ugly. It's interesting. It's not pretty. Um, you take the sixteen-inch guard, stick a verse 9S on it. It's magnificent, man. Cool. Um, you put it on a Banshee. And it sucks, like, I could not tell the difference between it and their cam. Is it the port and pop? My, or is oh, it yeah, it's it's ferocious port that, pop. That port pop is like the bane of my existence. It's horrible. You can, it's SIG, M, it's SIG MPX, I want to love oh, that gun so bad. Yeah, I don't even want one because of the, I don't even want to Yeah, try. that's why I don't have one. It's like, yeah. I can 
Yeah. Guns are a write-off for us. Okay. Oh, you yeah, sure. We're in the business. Yeah. It's like I can have any damn gun I want. Okay. And this is not to slag on CMMG by any by no, any. No, they have some cool stuff. I I love their stuff. We use their anvil. Have you seen the um, new, the new uh, mag? You put nine millimeter rounds in a in a thirty round piece. Yeah, but I don't need it because I already bought their guns in nine. Yeah. So uh, and, and then the the I have the Banshee in twenty two. Mm-hmm. Um, I. Passed on it in 45 and on 9, even though I love the gun, because they suck when you put a can on them. They're just, they're too loud. They, it's, yeah. it's nasty. Um, if I have... A firearm is useless to me as a suppressor host unless it's a good suppressor host. Same. Um, <laughs> it's like, I don't want... We make quiet cans. I want to be able to hear how quiet the can is. Yes. I don't want like that 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 mini Uzi was such a horrific disappointment because it sucks. Yeah, I said, well, maybe it's just me. You are used to listening to other people's cans. You're used to louder mm-hmm. stuff. I've said many times before around that crowd of people mm-hmm. um, where he came from. Ooh, don't like this. No, that's about what most stuff sounds like on it, and it's like. Really? It's horrible. It sucks. Oh. It's so loud. It's uncomfortable. I don't want to be around that. It's like I would put on hearing protection if I was subjecting myself to this because it yeah. sounds nasty and it sucks. What about like uh, 45 host? Um, the CMMG guard again. Again, okay. is an excellent 45 host. Um, now, there's also the Ruger PC-9, but this is one of those things where you get into things that may or may not affect some people because of just basically the way they're built, the way they mount a rifle, whatever. Oh, okay. With the Ruger, it has a really heavy bolt in it. Okay. I, I was at Dustin Ellerman's. He was basically oh, dual yeah. wielding. The Top Shot guy. He's yeah. awesome. Yeah, he's Dustin. he's great, man. I I love him. He's yeah, great. he's a really nice guy. He's a terribly nice guy, and he has these marksmanship camps that yeah, I would highly, I see that. highly, highly recommend for people who have got kids. Yeah, it's great. The kids the have sit, the kids have such a good time, and they learn how to shoot really quite well. And yeah. throw tomahawks and all this other crap that I yeah. can't do. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, um, it, it's a it's a great program. Everybody ought to like check out. Top Shot Dustin. Is yeah, what it I is. think that's his Instagram. Top Shot Dustin. Yeah, and so it's the YouTube channel too. YouTube, yeah, that's Top right. Shot big Dustin. on YouTube. Yeah. Um, anyways, as at his place, he's got verse nine S's. I was like, dude, I need carbines for demo. I've seen your videos on the CMMG guard. I've seen it on the PC nine. Yeah. You know, can can I shoot this stuff and see if I'm gonna like it or not? Yeah. And he dual wielded the PC nine and the guard for me. <laughs> they sounded identical. Wow. Okay. They sound identical. Due to the heavy fr- bolt. From an observer's position. Oh my bad. Okay. Okay. I shot the. CMMG first, and I was like, 
It's not bad. It, there is a little ejection port pop, but it's not bad at all. It's nowhere near like the Banshee, man. It's like, okay, you can tell okay. that the can is quiet. Okay. I shot the PC-9, and I was like, I'll... Ow. But it's... It's weird loud. Huh. And I was talking with Dustin about it, and he's like, dude, let's unload it here. Shoulder the rifle. Because he's such a fantastic teacher, and he's really good at sorting things out. Yeah. So he's like, shoulder the rifle, shoulder the rifle, rack the bolt, rack the bolt. Ah. Oh. Just the way that my, I don't mount a rifle like everybody else does. I climb the stock a bit. I sub, shove my face oh. farther forward than most people do. So I oh. may be cheeking it in a different spot than you, most you, people do. Your ear just do. might be closer to the dang action. Could be. Um, but that that when it comes back and hits, what I'm assuming is probably, a, I haven't taken the rifle apart, uh, and probably a, a steel pin, cross pin, like in a Ruger 1022. Mm-hmm comes back and hits that that transmits like through the right bones through the in, bone it's like in my face yeah you get that bone conduction into my away from that. ear and yeah. it's like i found it decidedly uncomfortable that's um so i ended up getting the guard for cool. the demo gun um i've since obtained a pc9 anyway um it's still sitting in an unopened box at home because i Got a got a pile of stuff in from Ruger, <laughs> and then had to leave. And it's like, eh. <laughs> so we're here anyway. Cool man. So that's that's pretty much what's up. Uh, yeah, bolt action twenty twos are the quietest suppressed combination you can have. Period, because it's the quietest cartridge to start with. Right. It's as quiet of an action as you can get. Anything that doesn't move a bunch of stuff around other than a firing pin um like even a lever action that's dropping a hammer um is still going to be exponentially quieter than any kind of semi-auto so bolt action the little oh god those little rossi pump guns those are cool are bitching yeah (laughs) Um, they're cool yeah anything that you can thread um in 22 that is not an auto loader mm-hmm. is going to sound awesome yeah and if you have a 22 can you should get a host of that type so that you can actually fully enjoy it and to really fully enjoy it you should also get yourself a uss for power screw. yeah no absolutely because it's just it's insane how much quieter than like a quality pellet gun it is but it hits so much harder i was gonna tell that's exact that's, it's funny you say that i was just gonna tell listeners if if they've never shot a silencer or they've never shot a 22 silencer you owe it to yourself to get a good 22 silencer and a bolt action 22 rifle yeah. because if you've ever plinked with a daisy bb gun as a kid or like a break barrel like a beam in r9 pellet gun or something the silence 22 is going to be quieter mm. it, it's it'll blow your fucking mind and <laughs> and the, the 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 sound of the the bullet hitting something downrange or the bird you're shooting off the telephone wire or whatever you're doing with it you know is going to be loud 
That's mm-hmm. the loud part, and that it'll blow your mind. And it, 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 you know, twenty-two ammo is so cheap. Yeah, and you know, ammo can matter too, yeah. and not necessarily all the way you would think. Like for instance, we do our R and D using CCI standard velocity. That's the only twenty-two okay. ammo I shoot in my guns. I've done testing and found that okay, say so CCI also makes CCI suppressor ammo yeah, which the is quiets and all which is stuff, instead yeah. of 1070 it's 970 mm-hmm. and then they have the quiet which is 870 mm-hmm. they're, they're so basically off, they yeah. knock off 100 feet a second per mm-hmm. but the thing is if you're actually developing using a meter and developing ammo or excuse me uh baffle tweaks based on this ammo that you're using, it becomes an integral part of the equation. So you end up building a structure that works best when you're driving that particular combination through it. So if you're shooting like a USS, you'll actually find that the quiet ammo or the suppressor ammo is actually louder through it than because of the pressure differentials. Interesting. Uh, 100 feet a second yeah. of velocity, less doesn't work the baffle as hard and okay. will actually be louder than the harder hitting ammo that costs the same or less. Perhaps the gas ha- doesn't have the velocity to force enough turbulence to stay in. So because it has less turbulence, there's more gas that flows out and it's a little bit louder. And because it's 22, you can tell the difference. Yeah, yeah. That's so crazy. It's neat. <laughs> it is neat. It's kind of frustrating too crazy. from a manufacturer's standpoint. Hell. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like you're chasing a demon. Like, yeah, you're, yeah, you're yeah. like, what the hell? Like, why does this have gremlins <laughs> in it? And then you're, that, that would drive me crazy if, in product development. If I was like, <laughs> if I was like, if I designed something and then I used less powerful ammo and it was louder and I'd be like, wait. What? I've got some anomalies that I'm still working on that I haven't solved that I'm not going to talk about because <laughs> it's like, because somebody smarter than me might go, oh, I oh, know yeah. what that is. Now I have, now I have an advantage. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, okay. Uh, I, yeah. I've, I've, I've got one that just, I've been working on it in the back of my mind when I get a chance for over a year, it just yeah. messes me up, man. It's just like. That's just wrong. How does it? How is that possible? But the data's there, man. You know, I mean, like, hey, it's, keep it's, chasing it's, it. It's so heavily documented. It's just ridiculous. That's good. That's awesome. I mean, like, keep chasing it. You, you might someday. Well, you you know, you might never figure it out, or you might someday. Oh, I I will. But but, but at I least will. you'll. You know, well, you might never figure out why. But at least you like you'll have the data to maybe someday go back and figure you know figure out what the why. You don't always have to know the why. Yeah, it's true. It's yeah. true. You know, that's, I mean, I want to know the why because I'm, I, my type A, like, craziness. I get it. Yeah. But I want to know why, too. Yeah, I but. want to know why. But sometimes, you, <laughs> sometimes we just get what we get. But um, I had, well, I get, we're a little over two hours, which is. We should probably punch out. Pretty awesome. I? But I had one oh, more yeah, question. Gotta, my my, my only other question do. is what is your favorite silencer manufactured by a competitor? Oh, I think we already covered that. The It'd be the, the, the rugged Obsidian 45. Okay. Um, 
That's a really good can. It's hard not to like it. I haven't met anyone that... Oh, I, I love that can, man. Okay. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a stellar can. Um, other, other couple of really good cans. Uh, Yankee Hill Resonator, I think, is the 308 one. It is. Yeah, 30 and caliber. And the awesome. Turbo is five, just their five, the 556 five, can. I shot those. They're Those awesome. are both... Uh, it just came out the Turbo K. Shout out to Chris at YHM. Uh, Super awesome silencer. I, I bet it sucks compared to Turbo. <laughs> you know what? Dude, I thought it was going to suck. And it sucked way less compared to the Turbo than I thought it would. Okay. Which was cool. How much shorter than Turbo is it? Uh... I, I don't remember the exact dimensions, but it also you can use the other mounts from like the Omega and stuff. So it's that okay. stand, it's that modular mount system okay. everyone has going on. Um, okay. Well, but yeah, I, I those are basically Yankee Hill stuff. It's it's not fancy, but it's uh, it's effective and priced super competitively. Yeah, they have a very efficient um, manufacturing operation. Basically, what it is, it's their job shop. They don't make cans for a living. Right. They, they make everything. <laughs> yeah, they've got somebody who probably runs a machine for 12 bucks an hour or something. Yeah. And it's like, if you got slack time, make can parts. So it's they've turned it into a really viable source of income awesome. uh, that they can compete on labor costs and stuff really right. effectively. And <clears throat> so how can people... And, uh, yeah, it's a it, they're they're good cans. Um, I was gonna say, how can people reach you? Uh, it's bowersgroup.com or bowers.com. Bowersgroup.com. And you yeah. have a Instagram. Uh, uh, I know you have Tom Actual. I've seen you on there. That's that's, yours. that's my personal one, Tom underscore Actual. So if you want to be bored, that's a good one to follow. <laughs> um, the. The official Bowers Group one is at Bowers Group. That's right, and and um, you guys have awesome products, and uh, I encourage people to check them out and check them out on social media. And yeah, man. Yeah, sorry I jumped around a lot, guys. It's just that's the way I am. No, this you so, know this is too the, bad. It's interesting. <laughs> the, the 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 last couple of podcasts I did, I had a very rigid schedule. And I couldn't jump around a lot and go down into the weeds. And I was kind of happy we were able to do that today. So You can always count on me for that. Yeah, man. Thank you very much. And um, <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been a real no, pleasure. It was awesome. All right. I'll see you guys next time.